In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, how do we intentionally build relationships with those who are not quite like us? Well, let's be honest, Patty. There are not very, well, there are. (laughs) There are not people like you. There are very (laughs) few people that are like you. Oh, yeah, 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 whatever. Welcome to Girlfriend It, where we want to rally you to do the remarkable. This is Patty and Lisa, and today we are talking with a couple of dynamic men who are revolutionary thinkers impacting our culture. Our first guest, Aaron We're going to dive right in, aren't we? We are diving right in, because I'm excited to talk to Aaron Chambers. He's a fabulous speaker and author of Eats with Sinners. How are you, Aaron? I'm doing great. Great. Well, we are fascinated with this book, because you, you are talking our lingo. We, we love um, hitting the streets and getting to know people that are not quite like us, that sometimes we put them in a box. And um, Lisa and I happen to go to... Uh, strip clubs and porn shows and all kinds of fun things. So we can do exactly that, to talk to people that maybe don't think the same way we do. So tell us a little bit about your book, Eats with Sinners. Well, Patty, first of all, thanks for having me on your show. I'm really excited to be here with you all. And you should, must say, (laughs) thrilled to death. (laughs) Yeah, well, here's the thing. I I was studying the Gospel of Luke a couple of years ago for, for a sermon series, and I was just fascinated with how many times I saw uh, Jesus using food, uh, talking about food, having meals with people, talking about a banquet. And it just—it it was just—I just realized that I had been reintroduced to Christ's primary method for connecting with people, which was eating with them. And I looked around my at my world. And I realized I was surrounded by Christians. I was immersed in a Christian world. All my friends were Christians. We hung out with Christians. I uh, went to the vacation with Christians. I, you know, even played fantasy football with Christians. Everything was was just a Christian world. And uh, and I realized that Rachel, I had Aaron, lost my way. You are very so. Excuse me. I said you are very spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So so what happened is I it started me on this pilgrimage back to where I actually began, uh, I, I paid my way through school and graduate school working in the restaurant business, and it just, it just reminded me that I had kind of lost my way. And, and, and so what I've done is I wrote the book to reintroduce the church to, to how Christ interacted with people, and it's been amazing to see what God through this, this simple book. Yeah, well, you had us at food. I just want you <laughs> to know that. Yes. You're right. As soon as you're talking food, that is this... Social um, bonding. It's, it's a connection place 
Um, I mean, it's, it's over food. Our coffee, which, you know, Starbucks is our new office, um, yep. we do a lot of the connecting with people. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And, and what I do is, is I try to point out to people, I, 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 I think on a fourth grade level, I'm not real complicated. And, I, and what, what's cool is how God has used this book um, in such a really neat way. Um, but, but, yeah, it's not that complicated, exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's simply just kind of like, a, you know, when somebody uh, – let me just – I'll say it this way. Uh, my wife and I went uh, – when we started having a lot of kids, we transitioned from a little Honda to we started looking at minivans. And as, as we looked at minivans, we went out shopping one night, and we, uh, we saw uh, you know, Dodge Grand Caravan, and then we decided we would go home and think about it and not buy it that night. Well, all the way home, all around town, all we saw were Dodge minivans. We saw them everywhere, and it's, it's just it's – it, it, we didn't realize there were so many out there. And that's how it was. Once, I, once I, I really started thinking about it, praying about it, and talking about it, and sharing this with other people, you start to see – evangelistic opportunities all around you. And it's really amazing how we can use food to connect with people. That's the thing that is so powerful about food. We all need to eat. But one of the things that we've kind of lost is, is the, the, are the implications of eating with somebody and how powerful that is and the connections that occur when we're eating with people. And so I'm all about food. I love to eat. Give me a Krispy Kreme donut. Uh, put me in a Starbucks. I'm happy. And, and what's cool is that these opportunities to share our faith as we eat with people they're all around us, and it's just like that, that, that minivan. You start to see them everywhere. You'll see, okay, why am I eating by myself at my desk when there's a cafeteria full of people that I could go and get to know? Why, why am I having a play date by myself when two doors down my neighbor has kids and she goes to the park by herself? Why not have a play date with her? You know, why, not, uh, why, you know, why am I going to McDonald's by myself once a week when I could ask the guy, down the down the hall, who is going through a rough, a rough patch in his marriage, to go with me. Now I talk about you know same gender uh, integrity is the foundation of everything we do, and and so everything has to be appropriate. But within within appropriate interactions, we are just surrounded with opportunities, and it's been amazing to see what God has done. Um, and it, here at this church, in my life, and in the lives of the people who have who have experienced this this um, this this approach to sharing our faith. Well, I love I love your enthusiasm and your voice because you're talking our language. You talk fast and you sound like you may be on caffeine, which is how we. Are. <laughs> it's totally yes. getting into this, you know, having a cup of coffee and doing this. But basically, what you're saying is it's being intentional with relationships and using experiences of like food as a social setting and just seeing where people are living and what they're doing and then joining them in that. Yes, 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 yes. You got it. Congratulations. Awesome. Yes, what, did, what did I, I win? What did I win? <laughs> you won um, just my undying uh, devotion and adoration. I love right? you're speaking, Mike. My, my love language is words of affirmation. Okay, so side note. That's mine, too. So oh, good. Well, you're, you're well, yeah, see, it's not, it's not that complicated. It's just, it's just, um, it, it's just, what I, what I, the way I define evangelism in the book is evangelism. Now there are a lot of great, great definitions for evangelism. This isn't the only definition, but the way I define it in the book is evangelism is an intentional relationship through which someone is introduced to Jesus Christ, and and so it's it's not that complicated. And sometimes we, I'm speaking, we as me as a pastor, we have made it so complicated. We've acted like, well, in order to to share your faith, you have to understand, you know, 
five fingers, and there has to be a scripture tied to each finger. You have to understand what they all mean. You have to understand spiritual laws. You have to be able to explain, you know, answer these questions that, that people are going to ask. And so we prepare people for this, this you know, Christian version of the SAT that they have to pass in order to share their faith. And honestly, it's not that complicated. It's just a relationship. Just, just people who come to Christ, most people come to Christ through relationships. And we can do relationships. I can do relationships. Um, ask me to, you know, to quote all these spiritual laws and lead people through this Roman road. I, I can't, you know, oh, that's, too, that's, that's way out of my pay grade. I can't, I can't do that. I can't get my mind around that. But this is so simple. It's just Jesus ate with people. Now, there are a couple things that guided the meals of the first century. One of the principles was like eats with like, and, and another principle was the principle of reciprocity. Now, the principle of reciprocity was you would eat with somebody from whom you could gain something. So say, Patty, you were the mayor of the town, and I could get you to come and have dinner with me and my, with my wife and me, then then the, the, by the social protocol of the day, then you would be um, expected to invite us to your house to eat. Uh, and so you would often, you, if you f- could finagle a meal with somebody of a higher uh, class level, then it was in your benefit. So the, the religious leaders of the day were just, com- they were just confused and confounded with why Jesus was eating with people and basically saying, I'm like these people, you know, he was eating with sinners and tax collectors. And then plus he was eating with people from whom he could gain nothing. And, and so in the book, I, just, I lay out, what can we do to, to eat with people again? And, and in our church, it's, it's been interesting how that has played out. I mean, we actually have a Bible study at a bar now, um, and, and I, have, I go to a bar on a regular basis, and I have found myself in all kinds of situations where – Wow, you know, I just, I mean, I was raised, you know, you don't uh, smoke, drink, and chew, or, or go with girls who do, and here I am in, the, in these situations where, and it's so much fun. Um, it's just so much fun to see what God does when you you just get out there and interact with the world, and interact with people. Now, you have to walk with integrity, and I flesh all that out in the book, but we all like to eat, so why not eat with somebody else? Uh, have your friends over, your neighbors over for spaghetti. You know, just there's opportunities all around us, and they're intentional, though. You know, they're intentional, but, um, yeah, food is good, and sharing our faith is so easy as we just get to build, as we build relationships with people. And I love that, Aaron. One of the things that you said, and, and Lisa and I both grew up in a Christian home, and we, we were almost as spiritual as, as you were in your stories of we hung out with all, you know, in those Christian Christian circles. And another thing is that when you do grow up that way and you find yourself in those circles, that I I believe that people outside of your circles feel like they're your project. And so when you you gave the the example of, you know, you try to have dinner with someone from an upper status because there's something in it for you, basically, I Mm -hmm. think we have a tendency as Christians that we do, we we. We give that, um, uh, what, 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 yeah, we give that perception, like it, your neighbors, you know, at Easter, Christmas, all of a sudden, here's that postcard that's supposed to go invite your neighbors to church. <laughs> you didn't talk yeah. a year, but now here's your postcard to go invite them. Yep. And um, it's like, what about the whole year when you could have been having that relationship, having them over for a barbecue, having them over? And we really need to get back to that of building those relationships. And we only have um, a minute, Aaron, before we go into a commercial break. Can you give us one tip on when you're, when you're saying go have food, you know, go sit there and have your Krispy Kremes, give, give an example of that, of, of how you're doing that, how you're making that happen. 
Okay, well, in my life, um, I like to work out. So one of the reasons I go to the gym is to build relationships with, with, with other guys who work out. And and uh, that it's, it's just a natural environment where you can interact with people and see if you go every day, you see people, the same people again and again. And it's, so it's been interesting to see how that, is, how that has been so um, meaningful in my life. I, I, I met a guy named David. We were both triathletes. And, and uh, David was living an alternative lifestyle. And I, one of the things I say in the book is don't flinch. Take a deep breath. Calm down. Don't, you know, we're not street preachers. We love people. And nothing shocks me anymore, and I don't let anything shock me. I, I've just really <laughs> raised the bar on what shocks me. And so, you know, I, I embraced everything that he was saying, and I didn't, you know, feel any need to stand up on a, street, uh, a soapbox and start sending him to hell. I just loved him. And we got to be friends. And and. Over a period of about six months, I got a chance to introduce him to Jesus. Now, he didn't, he didn't accept the gospel. He listened. But God brought our paths around, and two years later, I ran into him. Um, and awesome. It, really, it was really so We're going to be but right I'll... to this commercial break. All right. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Attention parents and teachers. Here is a series of alarming yet true facts about the current state of teaching reading in the United States. The federal government has spent close to half a trillion dollars to improve reading ability, and yet we still have over 8 million students who cannot read on grade level. 440,000 students who have a total reading vocabulary of 50 words or less. And a national dropout rate of one new student every 26 seconds. Sadly, one of these could be yours. Fortunately, it's not too late to help. Introducing The Reading Show with Dr. Joe. A fast-paced, highly informative, easy-to-listen-to show led by nationally recognized reading authority, Dr. Joe Lakovich. For more on Joe on the show, check out his website, failurefreeonline.com. Listen in this week to learn amazingly simple ways to turn this problem around. The Reading Show with Dr. Joe. With your host, Dr. Joe Lakovich. Fridays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Have you been laid off? Fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. 
Welcome back to Girlfriend It. And we are talking with Erin Chambers, author of Eats with Sinners. And Erin, you just got done talking about uh, as you're building these relationships, not being shocked sometimes when, uh, when just crazy subjects come up. So you've also created a model um, in your book, Eats with Center. Can you go through that a little bit more? And, and I love that also about not being shocked, because I think sometimes when you're in conversations, they want to shock you to see if you're going to stick around, if you really are going to be in for the long yep. haul. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, I was I was uh, uh, hanging out with a young a young guy uh, who is had some connections to our church, but um, doesn't come here, um, and just had a really in, intense conversation. And in the midst of the conversation, he uh, told me to um, f off a couple times and gave me the bird, and I just was un, un I just didn't flinch, and I kept saying, you know, hey, I'm I believe in you, and 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 God. Two days later, that kid called me and said, I want to get back to Christ, and what can we do? And I said, let's keep talking. So we, we're meeting on a regular basis now. But, yeah, and I, I you know, honestly, when I was uh, probably a 20, 20-year-old Bible college student, I would have just gotten all uh, sanctimonious and self-righteous and asked him, you know, asked him to, you know, to flail himself in his grief for, you know, speaking that way to a man of, the, of God. And I'm just not, that's not me anymore. I'm just not, I, I, I nothing phases me. So, and, and I really, and I just want to take the pressure off, you know, God is the Lord of the harvest. He wants to bring in the harvest. And we're so sometimes just pathologically neurotic about this, this, this angst we feel to have to, you know, the moment we see an opportunity that we, we, we jump all over it. And, and with good intentions, sometimes we, we just slam the door shut through, through our, our zeal when we could just Take a deep breath, calm down, just love them, love them. You know, if, if a lady knows that you care about her kids, she's going to care more about your God. And if a guy knows you care about his yard and you're willing to li- listen to him talk about his yard and his fertilizer for months and upon months, then, then if he knows you care about his yard, he's going to care about your God. And so I, I really want to make sure I make that point, that that's the biggest thing I've learned, is just to calm down, love people, be patient, trust God, be intentional. You know, when the door opens up, walk through it, have courage, but... But uh, just just love people, and relationships are, are so powerful. So in the book, I list some of the ingredients uh, that I see that I saw in the life of Jesus as he interacted with people. And the first was integrity. I mentioned that already. That we have to walk with integrity. I mean, I can't go to a bar and and be a part of that environment if if the guys know that I um, am, a, am a drunk, if they know that I'm a womanizer, if they know that I'm uh, if I'm a, I cheat on everything. I lie. If I don't walk into there with, into that situation with integrity, then then I risk uh, negating any good that God might do through me. Uh, I talk about accessibility. I'm not going to go through all of them, but uh, I talk about accessibility and how important it is to do whatever we can to remove barriers. Uh, I even spent some time in the book talking about dress codes and how some, some sometimes we can at churches we can kind of in. Whether we say it or not, we can impose a dress code on people and what we expect you to look like if you're going to be accepted by us. Uh, and I talk in the book about what we can do to make the love, the grace, the truth of Jesus Christ more accessible. Um, grace, uh, another thing I talk about is, you know, I love talking about grace, especially in Luke where Jesus is in the tabernacle. And and he says these incredible things. I've came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and 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 freedom for the for for the oppressed and freedom for the prisoner and, and he announces these incredible things and the people say, Oh what gracious words he uses and then he goes on to tell two stories about two um 
Gentiles who are given God's favor, and they want to kill him. They want to throw him over a cliff immediately. But Jesus, knowing what they're going to do, still spoke with grace, and how we can learn from that. Um, tolerance? I have, I have a chapter in my book on tolerance, and I had I personally never read anything in a Christian book on tolerance. You know, tolerance, strictly defined, is allowing something or someone to be in your presence. And there's an episode in the life of Jesus where a woman comes to anoint him, and the religious leaders say, oh, if he knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't let her uh, be close to him. He wouldn't let her do this because she was touching him. and It was so un- inappropriate by their standards. And Jesus, knowing exactly who she was and what she had done, because the, the implication of the text is that she was uh, probably a prostitute. We don't know that for sure, but that's the implication of the language. But Jesus lets this woman be in his presence because he wants her to be in his presence for all eternity. And, and I talk about what we can do to, to be tolerant, to be more tolerant of people and 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 you know that's the thing that's interesting in Luke 15. As I was reading it, I read it's just a simple phrase that the people, the tax collectors and sinners, were all gathering around to Jesus. And how many times do we Christians repel people through our behavior, through our attitudes? And people, lost people, were drawn to Jesus. And I want to live that kind of life where people are just are drawn to me, um, so that I can share my faith with them and I can introduce them to Jesus Christ. Um, just a few other things, you know, I talk about um, urgency, you know how. You know, the harvest is ready, and, and we're living in the days of God's patience. And, it's, you know, we need to get, you know, we need to get our focus where it needs to be and uh, investment. You know, we need, to, we need to be willing to invest our, our energy, our resources. Joy, oh, wow. And it's been cool to see here at Journey, at Journey Christian Church, how God has just, just multiplied the joy, released the spirit of joy. I mean, people at Journey, we cheer, we clap. Uh, we have, you know, I don't know if I can say this on the air, but we have dancing. Um, uh, it's just, it's, uh, if people are just, there's a spirit of joy that's been released because they've seen their friends, their grandkids, they've seen their neighbors accept Jesus Christ and be transformed. And when that happens, it just, you know, Jesus celebrated when the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son were found. And so it's been cool to see a spirit of celebration released and, and just God's blessing is on that as well. Well, and I think that joy factor you're talking about and happy because so many times um, I think. When you see a lot of believers, traditionally, and, and I think kind of what we generalize is they're not really happy people. Their face doesn't show up, but they talk about it, but, but their demeanor doesn't reflect that. And so we're all about, we just had a girlfriend's conference um, two weeks ago that, that at our church, and we actually had a disco party afterwards in, in the courtyard of our church. Uh-huh. Um, with a DJ, and, and women were loving it. We had a dance floor, and it was just like women connecting. Yeah, it was just for women. Um, and it was just, it was amazing because women just want to have fun together and connect. And it really does, when you are just doing life like that, it really does bring down the, the walls and the barriers where people feel like, okay, this is a safe place, and I can I can be who I am, and I can be accepted. And it just opens the doors for conversations. And I think um, even as believers, it's, it's we just like what you're saying, we need to be more intentional with our relationships. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Patty and I like to use the word it's messy sometimes. Um, it, yes. doesn't, it doesn't always fit in the nine to four box of time. And sometimes it, and it requires going to maybe places, like you said, to bars or places where people are. Because so many times I think it's, it's the church at large, we expect people to come into our environment because mm-hmm. that's they feel comfortable, but they don't. And um, and so I love that you're just you know you're just having people go out into where people are living. Well, we we used to have some of our meetings at um, Hooters, and uh-huh. it would make people very uncomfortable that we were having some of our team meetings from a you know with just women, <laughs> just women. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And um, just to talk to the waitresses and just connect with them and have fun with them and let them see that we weren't judging them, that we were just there. We were doing, you know, having our meeting there. We were ordering and, of course, always leave a big tip for them. And uh, it does – others look at that and go, you guys have really crossed the line here. That you, why do you have to go there to hold your meeting? Like they're, they're missing it. So what are some of the things that you, um, when you hear that kind of feedback, what do you usually say to, to someone like that? I say, do you have something that you're doing that is as effective? Um, is there something, you know, I want to learn. What, what can we do? I, 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 I'm at a point where I'm convinced that, when, when, that Jesus, when he said that he wanted us to go to the highways and the hedges and go out to people and invite them to the banquet, that he meant it, and that, uh, it, that putting a sign out in front of our church that says, come, come worship with us, is, is pathetic. It's, it's cowardly. It's not bold. And we need to go where the people are. Yeah, I, honestly, I, mean, that's, I love the fact you guys go to Hooters. That's what it was, if I was doing a, if I was doing a seminar and this came up, I would, make, I would stop here and make a point. Guys? I don't go to Hooters. I don't need to be in Hooters. I don't need to be in that environment. I've got to walk with integrity. But I can go to a bar and 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 not be tempted. You know, it's just it, you got to be smart. You got to walk with integrity. But I love the fact you guys do that. I think that is amazing. And and that's the kind of stuff that that you realize when you get to know people and you realize you know what they love their kids. They they have a hard time paying their bills too. Um, they've lost loved ones. I mean, you look at, you know, as you're in that environment, you get to know those Hooters waitresses. Who else is going to be Jesus to them if we're only going to stand um, up in our ivory towers and, and hurl insults at them and make general, you know, general, general statements about them? You know, who else is going to make the grace of Jesus Christ accessible? What? Okay, so we think about that scenario. I think, okay, who is in the best place to share Christ with one of those Hooters servers? You guys, because you're there, because you're being Jesus in that environment, and so you, you guys are walking with integrity. That's that's fantastic, and so we have, you know, we have to, we have to, do, yes, that's the kind of stuff that I I love to see because I've seen. You know, I was at a, a bar one night. Um, we had a big church event, and part of it was taking your friends out to eat and 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 getting to know them, and building relationships. And I ended, long story short, I ended up at this bar on a Saturday night, the bar where we have a Bible study, and I hung out with these two guys the entire night and had a great conversation, talked about our our daughters and our lives and our marriages. And and uh, at the end of the night, he said something. I don't. I, I, I'll say that I'll make the statement, and I'll make a qualification. He said, he said, "Are you a preacher?" And I, I, the bartender knows enough not to tell people I'm a preacher because it, it can kill conversations unnecessarily. And I said, yeah, I am a preacher. He, I said, how would you know that? He said, who else comes to a bar on Saturday night and drinks Mountain Dew and eats a breakfast burrito? And then he, and then, and then he pointed his finger at me in a loving way, and he said, but i got to tell you, he said, I got to tell you, he said, Joel Osteen would never come and eat with people like us. Now, I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't believe that's true, but I got his point um, right. because I was, I was coming to him and his world and respecting him and, and his – and and he had a, he suffered a major loss. His his wife died a couple weeks ago, and I was able to call him and be Christ to him because um, I was there. I went to him. I went like Jesus went to Zacchaeus' spot. I went to his spot. Um, I didn't expect him to come to my spot, which is so. In my experience, in my own life, I, I just I'm so frustrated that I've been so selfish and self-centered, and expected people to come to us on our terms when Jesus went to people on their terms and met them at their spots and said, I'm not going to wait for you to invite me to your house. I'm inviting myself to your house. We're going to Hooters. You know, we're, we're going to go, you know, we're going to go to the bar. We're going to go wherever you are because we love you that much. And what we have to share with you is that important. Well, and Aaron, we have to go. We just want to thank okay. you 
so much for sharing this. And um, Aaron Chambers, Eats with Sinners, you got to check it out and got to be in both our relationships. Stay with us. Thanks, Lisa and Patty. Appreciate it. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on Togginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen on Toginet.com. The Way of the Toddler with hosts Lita and Lori Hamilton is a show unlike any other parenting program you've ever heard. Zen Masters in Diapers? Yes. Join us Tuesday afternoons at 5, 4 Central here on Toginet as we celebrate parenthood as a spiritual path for a journey to inner peace. With thought-provoking and spiritually compelling guests, each week Lita and Lori will explore how our children help us with the lessons we came here to learn, adding deeper meaning to our lives and relationships while giving you valuable gems to add to your unique parenting toolkit. Check out the website, thewayofthetoddler.com. With great humor and honesty, Lita and Lori will demonstrate how inner peace is possible even when surrounded by poopy divers and piles of laundry, and what we can learn from the innate wisdom and natural spirituality of our Zen masters and diapers. It's The Way of the Toddler with Lita and Lori Hamilton, Tuesday afternoons at 5, 4 Central, here on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. So about a year ago, I got to experience firsthand what a genius our next guest, Eric Loxmo, and his team at Different Drummer are and how they creatively and effectively approach their business. Well, Eric is the founder and principal of Different Drummer, which creates successful high-touch, high-tech campaigns and platforms for clients hoping to win in the most cluttered and confusing marketplace in history. I love those two words because that really does capture kind of what's going on in our world right now. Well, just in kind of Eric's resume, um, in 2006, Eric was tapped to oversee the outreach and marketing for the political thriller Amazing Grace. I love that. I know. I did, too. Eric has also served as a political and celebrity speechwriter in Washington, D.C., a Capitol Hill press secretary, and he is also authoring a new book that will be released in the bookstores in early 2012 called Upended. 
Eric, it is such an honor to have you on Girlfriended. How are you? Hey, guys. Lisa and Patty, thanks for having me. You're well, very, way too generous with your introduction. <laughs> I was going to say, introducing you is quite, quite the tongue twister because you have so many honors behind you. <laughs> and I didn't even... Yes. I didn't even use the, everything I had. It could have gone on and on and on, so I love that. <laughs> well, oh, Eric, it's been a, really, um, I, I first met you a year ago, like I said, at an, an incredible experience where you brought a handful of us, uh, you and Corby, your team, your partner in crime, and um, your team, Amy, and you brought us to a few of us to um, L.A. to experience the kind of the first screening ever of the movie Tangled by Disney, and you really rolled out the red carpet for us in just an amazing way. It was truly one of those experiences that I will never, ever forget. And I came back just telling Patty and telling, sharing with all our, you know, all of our friends and our girlfriends about this movie that you, you've got to see because we got to experience and meet the producers and the people behind it. And what I walked away with from that experience, not only was I just, you know, it was what, truly amazing, is just the approach that you and Corby and your team have taken to, to marketing and to just doing your business, taking your background. Can you just kind of explain a little bit about how you became Eric and what makes you Eric and how you brought that into the different drummer? That's a lot of questions. Sure, sure. No, that was such a fun time, and, and part of that was just realizing that you guys are celebrities, and I know that um, L.A. tends to think that celebrities are those who grace the People magazines and the entertainment tonight. But we, I really do believe that the people of influence is changing so much in America that it is those who are, it can be a mom who has a mops group or has an amazing influence in neighborhoods. It can be a pastor's wife. It could be a woman, uh, woman in business. It can be... Uh, we've had cases where a flight attendant has booked the entire theater of guests for us. I mean, it's incredible what's happening where in the past we always think that those with the names and titles and the money and the influence and fame are the true influencers, but it's changing so fast. But, so I'm so glad we have to do that with you. But quickly, I'll tell you that I came out of California as a college student and thought, i got to change the world. I'm going to go to politics, do that. And we all thought back then. Maybe we still do to that politics is where you change the culture and change the world. And I spent 12 years there, and I realized that I was sitting there working on speeches and in policy and seeing these issues come to the House floor. And at that point, it was basically decided. It was done. That issue had been framed so much earlier in our culture by the songs and the stories and the symbols and the, the books and the movies that were being produced by creative people. And by the time an issue like human trafficking or could be even the economy or healthcare had gotten to the house floor, boy, people already made their mind up because they had learned about their worldview and their experience and what they believe by people outside of politics. And I sat there frustrated with the idea, how can you influence the creative process? How can you influence at the source of great content? And I was very, very blessed to the ability to work on Amazing Grace, which set me in motion to realize there is so much great content from music to books to movies that's out there that no one knows about or that if they, they would love to get a part, be a part of it and that it needed a new way of promoting and distributing it. 
Um, so I had the privilege of working with Walden Media, which does the Narnia films and has done Richard Terabithia and Charlotte Webb and the Ray Charles story and, of course, Amazing Grace. And an incredible company. And, and part of my experience with Amazing Grace was seeing things that you could never explain to a Hollywood executive. So Hollywood executives, we love them. They're great. But they are also isolated from what's happening across the country. So they are in their offices wearing their Brioni suits and there's corner suites and they, they move money around, but they don't really know what we see, which is everything is changing and how demographics of audiences and content and the size of movies and how you reach people and how, what are the topics and ideas that people in Phoenix or in Des Moines or in Washington, D.C., what are they thinking about? What kind of content do they want? And we were able to, through... Walden, Amazing Grace, and things we've done since then with different drummer is, is see that there is amazing content that people are clamoring for, and they just want to be exposed to it and have a way of seeing and experiencing it. So all to say is that when you come out to Hollywood with us and go to Disney's lot, the whole point of that is not just to have a good time, which we do, it's to say, you know, Lisa Patty, your influence is, is, way more important than an article in the local trades of Hollywood. And it's proven, that's true, um, that people who have a desire for great content, who are out talking to people who have their own platforms, who have their own positions, are doing so much to advance great content. So we really appreciate what you guys are doing for us. Well, and I what you're doing, I, I love that because it, it just experiencing, like I said, it was an amazing experience, but you did – you just come back feeling like I own part of this, and I just experienced and it touched me um, on an emotional level, too. I just, like you said, I just didn't read about it. I experienced it. I got to meet the people. It was more tangible, and you're highly motivated to promote and to share that with people and to share the influence. Believe me, Eric, when Lisa came back, we thought she actually had the role entangled. <laughs> <laughs> she may have. She may have. We never know. <laughs> We love, because Patty and I, I was just sharing with her so much and with other people, and you just want to get it out there and talking to moms and talking to people. You do want to use your influence, and I think what you're tapping into is really significant because people do want to use their influence and their platforms, like you said, whether it's a mom that's in a mobs group or or it's a, it's a pastor's wife, or it's, you know, a flight attendant, whatever. People want to use their influence and feel like they're a part of something bigger. And when they can, when they can um, endure something and it, it, it meets their, their criteria of values, and they really do want to be a voice for that. So I think it, it really is amazing how you guys have kind of repositioned and re, rearranged um, traditional marketing yeah, well, we, it, it's part of what's happening generally is that Hollywood is democratizing. So when I go out and talk to college campuses, and, it, you know, 10 years ago, you go there and people would be like, I'm not sure I should go to Hollywood. It's just sort of a dangerous place for young people, or their parents are saying that, or I don't want to go to Broadway. Now you go back there, and they're handing me their short films, and they're handing me um, their scripts. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is that Hollywood used to be, as we know, it's very structure, infrastructure, you should go there and you have to be working in the system. And with the explosion of technology and with, I think, a, a, a entire, entire revolution of creativity, um, the younger generation rising up, and I'm getting older and feeling older every day, so I say the younger generation, 
uh, has the ability to now make their own movies, make their own stories. And it's, it's, it's in a sense, really great for the industry because we're going to see more content. But the challenge is that all this content's coming out, as I said in, in our description, it's cluttered. It's a crowded marketplace. So how do you tell what's, what is good, what's bad, and what's great? And that's part of our role is, is uh, introducing people to what we think is great. Our company is very clear about what we take. Um, we joke about the fact that we've been offered to work on things like hot tub, hot tub time machines. Uh, and that's not part of our mission because we believe that we want to find content that's good, true, and beautiful. Because that crosses over a space audience, a heartland audience, a art house audience that people are desperate and thirsty to find something that's beautiful in a culture that increasingly is losing its sense of beauty. And it's happening. It's crazy to think about it, but we are actually building a business and having success based upon content that is incredible gifts to our culture and our children. Well, we only have two minutes left, Eric, but I, I love how you said our culture, we are desperate and thirsty um, for something that is beautiful. How do you go about finding that that beautiful content? And, and of course, you have to say it in a minute and 30 seconds. <laughs> well, I mean, it is, what I define as beautiful is the, the type of content, good, true, and beautiful content is the type of content that when you see it, you are moved in some way, that it is. It is moving you to a positive place with um, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, you are moved to act upon it. And just quickly, what happened in the past was that we we're always interested in inspirational content. It would move you emotionally, you cry, you laugh, and you walk out and you forget about it. It's very empty. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is find aspirational content where it touches you and you feel like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to volunteer or I'm going to go support that um, anti-trafficking of girls. Uh, organization. I'm going to go out and love my neighbor better. I'm going to go and appreciate that painting because I saw a new glimpse of beauty. And that is partly our job to find that. It's partly for everyone out there listening to create it. You can only, the best way to criticize bad culture is to create good culture. And I love that. And with just a few seconds left, basically, so many times we get the inspirational fluff and it's all really good, but you go, so what do I do with that? And I love how you're saying, we want to provide the content that makes people totally go, okay, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to love better. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get engaged. It causes that reaction, which I think is so significant. It's such a great criteria. So when we come back in the next segment, let's, let's kind of dissect that a little bit more and kind of how you guys evolved with your criteria and what makes something a beautiful content that um, will get people to act and to respond. So we are talking with Eric. And we'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it. 
Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Season Me is on Toginet. A delightful, thoughtful, serious, and not so serious call in show with Cecil Murphy and Twyla Belk. Tuesday nights at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. You know Cease is the veteran author from 90 Minutes in Heaven, Gifted Hands, When a Man You Loved Was Abused, and many other books, as well as a mentor for writers. And Twyla Belk is an effervescent force known as the Gotta Tell Somebody Gal. She's also a writer and motivational speaker who's always bragging on God. For more on Cecil Murphy, go to his website, Cecil Murphy, that's P-H-E-Y dot com. And for Twyla, GottaTellSomebody.com. The show, Season Me, is a far-reaching, faith-based, shared conversation and call-in show with questions welcomed. A chance to get everything out in the open. From questions about writing, to surviving sexual abuse, to the topics of the day. All from a Christian worldview to help you. Season Me, Cecil Murphy, Twyla Belk. Tuesday evenings at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. Whether you're four and a half or 100, you can retrain your brain. Learning RX, the radio show, is on toginet.com. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. central time with Martin Kruger. Learning RX programs are quick, they're efficient, they're life changing, and they're permanent. Unlike tutoring, cognitive skills training or brain training targets the root issue causing learning struggles. Time and money spent on chronic tutoring is a clear signal of cognitive skill deficiency. That's where Learning RX comes in. Call today, 903 617 6899. 903 617 6899. Then join us for the show here every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And take advantage of the power it holds to improve your life. There are so many brain training issues that Learning RX can help you with. It's not a product, it's an experience. So join us for Learning RX, the radio show with Martin Kruger. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are talking this day with Eric Loxmo with Different Drummer, which um, creates high-touch, high-tech campaigns and platforms for um, kind of helping clients win in this most cluttered and confusing marketplace in history. So our conversation has really been talking about how do you truly use people uh, in their influence, whether it's in a group of 10 or a group of 1,000 or, or 100,000, how do you really tap into people and provide and promote beautiful content, which you've already explained. So, Eric, as we go into our last um, segment together, can you kind of explain, because I know you have a significant um, kind of a business model because you live on the East Coast and you, some of your, your, your business partners live on the West Coast, and yet you guys have taken your backgrounds and some traditional, some traditional aspects and kind of created some non-traditional approaches to business. Can you kind of expand on that? Absolutely. Uh, so, yes, Corby is on the West Coast in L.A., and I have the habit of moving every year across country. It's, it's scaring my wife and kids. So I've moved five times across country, back and forth. Um, partly, as I started the company, I moved on from Walden and then trying to expand now in New York. But it is an interesting time to have a partner in L.A., in New York. But it's really incredible because I think more and more companies are going to be doing this um, more flexible, free, um, you know, it's a cell phone, a laptop, 
a plane ticket type of business. Um, we're the more flexible and fluid and, and more custom that we can be is better for our clients, which are mostly entertainment brands and content. Um, so what, when we started this company, it was, it was probably like a lot of your listeners who are thinking, I have an idea. How do I get started? And, and typically they'll tell you in business school, you always leave with the client. You leave your existing job with a client in hand so you can pay the bills and feed your families. Well, I remember walking on the beach in Malibu and saying, God, I don't even know what's next, but I just trust you. You'll take care of my family. Mm-hmm. And started this whole adventure by just stepping into it and saying, we have an, an idea of what could work for this industry. And we would go to these meetings in L.A. with a humble bravado of saying, nothing's working like it used to. Advertising on TV is not working. People are watching less TV. Um, people are not looking at billboards and saying, that billboard's inspiring me to go to a movie. There's something happening with technology and with the change in influence that's head-snapping shifts that are going on. And unless you have a solution, you'll be left behind, and your content will never make any money or never reach its intended purpose. So we stepped into that with a new idea, new vision, and then we had to prove it. And we proved it by working harder than anyone else. We are very blue-collar and not just giving advice, but we're doing the work. And so we out-hustled others, we worked hard, we poured ourselves into the project. When you believe in something, you believe in your content like Secretariat or Tangled or ABC Secret Millionaire or Tree of Life or whatever content we're working on, we believe in it probably more than even our clients do, and so we give our heart and soul to it. And that makes all the difference, I think, in a business climate where people are wanting the quick win. They're still thinking the 2000 mentality of if I just create something, someone's going to buy it. I'm going to be able to check out and retire and like on the Turks and Caicos Islands. Mm-hmm. And that is just not the case. You, you have to have incredible discipline and perseverance and understand what it takes. Um, last I'll say just quickly is that one thing that we do is very different, and you said this earlier, is that we personalize our marketing, very custom we don't do email blasts where you receive a nice, glossy email in your email box, but you never read it. Uh, we create this personal touches so that you feel like you're a part of this, and you, like you said, you feel like you own a part of it. Mm-hmm. And lastly, what we do, which I think has been so lost and translates to every industry and every single sector and even our homes, is that we have to have gratitude. Um, you have to recognize the people that are helping you. And for so long, particularly in L.A. and Hollywood, is that we use people, you know, do this for us, promote this, push this. We never come back and say thank you, or we never say, hey, here's a nice signed poster or a gift. And our whole strategy has been we are going to reward and recognize and be grateful for the people who are with us along the way. Makes all the difference. Okay, I love that. It goes back to celebrate even the, the small you know, things that are taking place, just celebrate with people, and, and then that gives them that feeling of ownership. Do you have something, like a tip, that how do you celebrate, how do you recognize them and reward them? It, it's astonishing to us how small it could be. We could simply write a, a handwritten note to someone after a project, project and say, thank you so much for believing in this and, and helping to activate your community. We hope to do it again with you. And we'll get letters back. I mean, typically you don't respond to a thank you note with a thank you note, but people respond, respond back and say, thanks so much for even knowing that I did something. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, they know at the end of the day, if we're out there marketing a movie and I come to you and say, hey, Lisa, can you tell your friends about something? Well, in the back of your mind, you're saying, well, I'm going to help Eric make money and help someone else I don't even know get successful. So why would I do that? And what we've done in our business is say, what's the win for them? And I'm at times more of an advocate for the audience than for even our clients. And I'm going to go back to our clients and say, listen, you can't ask them to do that without having some incentive or some reward or some experience that really benefits their life and fits with their mission. Um, so we're always in this place of the middle saying, okay, I understand the client goals. But I also understand the desires and passions and interests of my audience, which I care about. And most marketing people in Hollywood, as you guys know, they don't really care about the audience. It's almost a disdain of the audience. Mm-hmm. And we actually love, we love the audience and believe in it and believe it's the, they should have a place at the table. Well, and you know what? That was so evident, just spending time with you guys and just even the experience of being there. It, I did not get the feel it was about money. It's like you truly believed in this project and in the company. You're, you know, In that case, it was Disney. And it's like this is a good product that we're providing people that's going to um, help families and create family values. And it's a movie families can can watch together. And, like, you know, like even with Tangled and, you know, I got to see Winnie the Pooh, there's some values in there where you can have good conversation. So it's entertainment with a purpose. And, and I, I truly, I, you know, truly feel like you guys believed in that and you, and you do love your clients and the people and the project, and it's not a means to your end. It truly is about others. And that really, that authenticity really comes across, and I think that's why somebody like me and others go, I will do whatever I can to help promote what you're doing because I believe in it. And I believe in you, and I've seen your heart. And it, and it does stand out different than the traditional marketing. So I think you're right on in, in what you're doing and trying to accomplish. I mean, that's very kind, and that's, that's not a strategy. I think that's partly, I hope, it's just authentic uh, who we are as people. Um, but it, it's true. We hope that at some point, and it's happening more and more, that different drummer is carrying more weight than, let's be audacious, let's say that more than Paramount or it's, equivalent to the client that's coming in with their content because Different Drummer now represents for people who know, oh, what's next from Different Drummer? We know that we've taken the care to select the right projects and have done well with our audiences that they know that they can trust us and they can trust the content. And I'm amazed that after three and a half years um, and probably 50 different content projects, maybe more, that you could look through every single list and say, okay, I like that, I get that, I see why they did this, it makes sense here. And I would say that thread to us goes back to that idea of, of, um, of good, goodness, truth, and beauty in, in our culture. Okay, Eric, I wanted to ask you, because we only have a few minutes left, about your new book that's coming out in 2012, Upended. Tell us a little bit about that real quick. <laughs> Oh, glad you asked. It's, uh, it's a, has anybody written a book? It's a long haul to write a book. This is the second book that Jed Medicine and I wrote. We did the first one in 2004, and he at the time was in state politics in California. I was in D.C. politics. And now after he went to the White House and was there and I went to the media, we wanted to write a book that was speaking to the idea that there's certain assumptions out there about how you communicate. And it's about grabbing headlines and being on the stage and 
being dominating of statements and ideas and and all these assumptions we're taught that we think are actually destructive to the way you relate and communicate and connect. And we found the source of what we believe is the, the most brilliant communications model ever, and it's found in Jesus. Because if you look at his life and his way he discipled and the way he, he lived, he was always telling stories, he was asking questions, he was taking time away from the crowd, uh, he used um, attentive listening, he told things with concreteness, so he's never giving abstract ideas. He's always talking about coins and, and virgins and lamps and using the material around him. Um, incredibly authentic. He was always going to the person, never trying to command from a distance. He was always stooping down, kneeling, you know, washing feet, touching the leper. I mean, it was a very much an engaged model that I think is, if we replicated that in our homes, in our schools, as parents, as politicians, as storytellers, if we recapture this idea of how do you communicate in a distracted, fragmented, disconnected world, I think it would be astonishing for us. We know that we live in a place with Facebook and Twitter that we all think we are more connected than ever. And I'd actually argue that we're more disconnected. Because I can tell from personal experience, my high school friends that I haven't talked to in 10 years are at the same level as my best friends on Facebook. They're all getting the same kind of interaction. And I think that's destructive to how we relate and connect and communicate and love each other. Well, especially for our kids. You watch them communicate. They think they have all of these friends, and it's just these snippets of soundbite conversations. And you think, okay, how do they go any deeper than this? They don't pick up the phone and talk to each other. Yeah. Heck. And Facebook, and, and it's just crazy. Well, and, and Eric, we have got to go in just a few seconds, and this has been, we have been typing away. Seriously, we're going to have this on our website, which Girlfriend at Website is being relaunched on Saturday. And, uh, oh, nice. And we're going, to have, we're going to keep having you ongoing because you have projects you're working on, Extreme Home Makeover and um, the Machine Gun. What was that? Machine Gun Preacher in theaters. And, We'll have more information on our site, and also they can go to differentdrubber.com to find out more about what you guys are doing. And you've given us some amazing tips, and we just want to thank you so much for joining us. We're going to have you back because there's much more to learn. So thank you this day for joining us. And uh, we've been on Girlfriend at Radio. Stay with us, and uh, there's more to come. Thanks. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show designed.